Welcome to the HR Like a Boss podcast. I'm your host, John Bernadovich. Thank you so much for listening. Please consider liking, commenting, subscribing, and sharing with a friend. I've embarked on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals with the hope to find out what it takes to do HR like a boss. On today's show, I am so excited to be joined by Stephen Campbell. As a matter of fact, I met Stephen through his agent who reached out to me to be on today's podcast episode. So Stephen, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, man. I, I appreciate you having me. Yeah. So maybe for those that don't know you, Stephen, would you mind sharing a little bit about you and your career and potential connection to the human resources field? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a stand-up comedian. Um, I've been a comedian for eight years. I've been a fundraiser for about 10 and I've been putting on corporate events for about four or five. So uh, it was always a side hustle until we incorporated at the beginning of 2020, January 2020. January 20th of 2020 was when we incorporated. We were going to go all in on corporate events and fundraising. And 2020 decided otherwise. Uh, so, you know, Things went crazy for everybody. Obviously, um, our pivot was to move to virtual events. So we've produced, I think today marks 168 virtual comedy shows since the pandemic started for uh, employee engagement and all sorts of other things um, for different social impact goals and for uh, different employee engagement activities, whether that's a happy hour, whether that's a sales meeting um, and the main thing that we've been doing is is just trying to make people laugh and make a difference in the process. Cool. Awesome. I won't put you on the spot, but if you have it, what's your favorite HR joke? You don't, if you don't have that's cool. Ooh, favorite HR joke. Every single one of them is not allowed by HR. Um, <laughs> gotcha. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, every, it's been very interesting because HR, I was pretty, probably the biggest thorn in the side of all HR teams for every company that I worked with, um, which is not what anybody that any of the audience wants to hear. I just, um, in my pushback to a lot of the startup culture, I've worked with a lot of startups. Um, I gained a very huge appreciation for what HR does and what HR has to deal with. And about 90%, 95% of the people that we book shows with are through HR. So the first question we always get is content. Is the content um, safe for work? And it's been very interesting to just navigate through those conversations with HR people and to gain an understanding of, you know, what your corporate culture looks like, what is um, appropriate, what is not appropriate. Um, and it's been cool as a comic to just kind of uh, strengthen those muscles, right? So I'm so used to doing these late night comedy shows, two o'clock in the morning at some bar in Midtown Manhattan, uh, where you can say literally anything, um, and then going the next day <clears throat> and doing a virtual show at noon for some sales team and having to change it all up to uh, being PG-13. So. Yeah, uh, it's been very interesting to, while I am not <clears throat> an expert in any way, shape or form on HR, we have this very small sliver of corporate events and what makes a proper corporate event something that will hit the KPI of employee engagement. Um, 
And so, yeah, that has been where we have been navigating through is just figuring out how to make an event that adds the most employee engagement and on the corporate social responsibility side of things uh, creates a campaign or a project that has teeth that can make a social impact uh, by us just telling some silly jokes on stage. That's really cool. So you're combining two really unique trending and just the right thing to do HR concepts to me. It's purpose. So does your company have a clearly defined purpose and is there social responsibility around that as to what you and your company and employees are doing good in the community? So is that, is that like happening? And then secondarily to that, you're attacking what I believe is the number one issue in business from my standpoint, when it centers around HR is a lack of engagement with employees. Two thirds of employees are not engaged at work. So basically yeah. means they're either mailing it in or I'm here for my paycheck or something in between. And so is, trying that, to is that a number that, uh, where does that statistic lie pre and post pandemic? Is it, is, it, is two thirds a 2020 number, a 2021 number, or has, I, I would have to think if that's pre pandemic, that number has uh skewed much heavier into the not engaged side of things is that actually the data i've seen most recently Stephen, it's it's suggesting that it's not it's not adjusting too terribly different it's it's comes from gartner the gartner 12 the gap sorry sure. gartner gallup 12 my bad oh sorry gartner okay. gallup 12 which does the 12 questions you have a best friend at work you know asks a bunch of engagement questions and the data comes out of that and so Part of the reason why I started the podcast, I'm writing a book, and the main reason is I want to make an impact on employees' lives because if we're delivering great HR, you're you're bringing purpose and core values and bringing in great people that are aligned and you're being productive, and more likely than not, people like to they're more engaged as a as an employee when you're winning, you're doing something that you love, versus on the other end, just think about all those fans out there that maybe your football team or basketball team or baseball team is struggling. It's not super great to watch a team that loses all the time. So sometimes that's what it feels like when you're not engaged at work. You're watching your favorite team you thought was going to win, lose. So getting after that engagement and HR to me is the kingpin of that. They have the greatest opportunity to change that organizationally wide. And so super excited to have you on the podcast to talk about all that from a perspective of what I'll call a renegade employee who maybe was a thorn in the side for HR, if I heard you correctly, Stephen, to now... Yeah. You're entertaining business professionals and your number one client who's booking you at these shows are the HR pros and they're, they're vetting you out to make sure you don't drop any, I'm assuming F-bombs or <laughs> profanity laced, uh, inappropriate. So anyway, it, go ahead. It, it really depends. Um, and you kind of get a feel for it pretty quickly, right? Um, depending upon what the demographic makeup of the company is, depending upon you know, um, the amount of people that have come to us and been like, okay, well, here's the deal. We did one event before, it was horrible. Everybody was pissed about it. And if we mess this one up, then we get no more events. And so it, it's always just navigating. It's a case by case basis. And so it's, I mean, it's very interesting. So, like I said, I, whatever it's been 167, 168. And the corporate culture of a company is so similar to the personal preferences of a human, of an individual human, right? That you, you, 
you know the questions to ask and you know to just kind of get a gauge of this is what your corporate culture is like, right? And then so you'll book a lineup accordingly, whether, um, you know, if you want a very cultural, it, the default is always a very culturally diverse lineup, but sometimes you know that like, accounting groups and tech groups may have a different sense of humor than the sales and marketing type groups. Um, but yeah, it's just all fun stuff to navigate. You're curta curtailing your, your shtick based upon the audience that you have. And that I'm sure makes every day wildly entertaining for you. So oh, yeah, speaking absolutely. of that, this, this is a podcast about doing HR like a boss, which is kick-ass, amazingly <laughs> awesome, better than most. So I'd love to start the formal line of questions with how would you describe the purpose of human resources? Keep people like me in check. Uh, you know, there is, it, it, and it's, there's such a science to it, but also such an art to it because if, if you take just me and there's gonna be so many HR people listening to this that are cringing as, as it, if, if you were to take an employee like me and you, buckle down too hard on uh on different privileges and different we for instance worked for a sales team and as sales continued to not do well as a whole team different privileges were taken away with the thought of if we take these privileges away they will act uh in a more productive fashion and it backfired hard where everybody kind of rebelled and they stopped working and, and stuff like that. And I take that one little anecdote to say that it is very much an art form of very, of understanding which employees and which teams work with you or work for you and understanding how they will react to certain situations while also maintaining a corporate culture. Um, so very long winded way of saying that human resources purpose is to maintain the peace and maintain the corporate culture. Um, and that just means something very different dependent upon who you're dealing with on an individual basis and on a team basis. Yeah, I got you. Now, that's really cool. Do you, I guess, because you've said it a couple of times, Stephen, I'm going to put you on the spot. So you, you were a problem child for HR. Again, I'm using your terms, paraphrasing sure. a bit. So now that you're serving the HR community, it kind of makes me feel like if, if, as I was a kid, if I was bad, and then all of a sudden now I'm a parent and I got a bad kid. So sure. like, tell us how, if you were to give an HR professional one or two pieces of advice of how to manage through a, an employee that's maybe a, a, a giving them problems, giving them fits, maybe not fitting in, maybe not producing, whatever you would describe yourself as back then, what would you have done differently or recommended to that HR team to help you become successful? I think that a lot of organizations look at, look at people as function boxes, right? That a certain input equals a certain output. Um, having an understanding of who your team is, what their strengths are and what their weaknesses, is, weaknesses are, is very important in creating a productive work environment. Um, I think that a lot of the groups that I've worked with had a playbook, handbook, whatever you want to call it, that they operated out of. And if person X does this, then you, you express yourself or you re, uh, respond in Y, where 
having a deep understanding of who your team is and who the people are and having a deep understanding of what their strengths are will better equip you to have a strong team. Um, treating everybody as the same individual is something that often results in a big swath of those individuals uh, pushing back against whatever the rule is of the time. It reminds me of the time you would go as a kid, at least for me, to McDonald's and get the cup to go get a drink. And you had like three options. It was Coke, Diet Coke, and maybe Sprite. And now you go to that place and there's literally 4,000 options of sure. variations of Coke, Diet Coke. I mean, any, any flavor that you want. And that's just the way the world is, right? Everybody wants some customized approach to, and that's, that's tough for an organization to be able to navigate through that. You can't serve everybody in that respect. And I, I think there is a really key point on understanding strengths and weaknesses. And I, I wonder, is that, is that a trend you're seeing with your clients and impacting like your business and your customer base? I know you're really into engagement and getting employees involved, but what, what is a top trend you're seeing, Stephen, with your customers? Well, one of the things, especially early COVID, and you see it a little less now, is so many brands ran off of brand. Does that make sense that yes. they underpaid their employees so they could have a matcha bar and they, you know, they have, a, everybody has scooters at the office, but no 401k. Like, you know, there was just like all these things that were so cool. So we don't have to be a great company. Um, and a lot of companies were forced to grapple with that once everything became remote because no one cares if you got a scooter in the office when we're not in the office. And so you had to start really treating your human beings like human beings and not like data points, which is how a lot of companies, especially startups, the bigger startups run their company as data points. When we added matcha, what did this do? What did survey data say about morale? And the, the, it, it was just this thing that once the pandemic happened, a lot of people that we were getting in rooms, we were talking with a lot of bigger companies that maybe we wouldn't have had an opportunity to talk to if it were not for the pandemic. And a lot of that was because these companies that were grasping for uh, brand experiences or, you know, different ways to show their employees they were part of a team that they weren't really equipped to do. Um, there was a huge demand for our services because of that uh, paradigm shift. Neat. That's cool. And I, I see this paradigm shift happening in the field of HR specifically, and I just really love to get the perspective of a stand-up comedian. This, I call it the four-letter word of feedback. People sometimes hate feedback. So I'm just curious, yeah. like in your, in your experience as a stand-up comedian and sounds like a former employee in a bunch of really unique startups, like what's your tip to help HR train and advise managers and even themselves to give and receive constructive feedback? Well, the, the easiest Trojan horse to do it is you hire us for a comedy show. We'll just say everything to the manager that you don't want to talk to. That's the quickest way to do it. Um, so go ahead and call us, but um, it's difficult. I have been in an industry that 
our whole thing is is saying what we're thinking and say, and and saying it in a fun and creative way and you work with a lot of people that are forced to have a thick skin because they go on stage and get berated by audiences every night it's something that I know that if you were to plug and place me back into the corporate environment, it would take a long time for me to adjust to everybody's uh, temperaments. I have always found <clears throat> that the best way to, to deal with an issue is to straightforward talk to somebody. These are my thoughts. I hope it, you know, I, I hope it doesn't offend you all that much, but we've said the thoughts and now we're in a better place. That is not the way the corporate environment works. Um, so I would say short answer, I'm not the best person because whenever my friends come and we go get drinks at happy hour and they tell me this person said this, this person said that, but this person is managing this person. My response is always just say what you're saying to me to that person and then we'll be better off because of it. I am not equipped to navigate the politics of the office place as much. And it is nice because we have had people book us to roast a specific like salesperson that's got too big of a head or manager or something like that. And we, and I, you know, I'm joking, but also we've got positive responses back because those people will give us uh, ammo to roast those people. And then we'll talk to them like a couple of weeks later and they're like, yeah, no, he got the message. <laughs> he got the message. He's, he's chilling out a little bit. Um, so short answer, I'm not the authority on how to navigate workplace politics because I wasn't great about it when I did work in an office place. And now I've trained myself to be quite not politically correct when dealing with, um, that sort of stuff, but know get us get us on screen let us let us roast the person that you have an issue with yeah that's really cool shameless plug and i thought you were going to give me a talladega nights shake and bake with all due respect like i don't know if you remember <laughs> right. from that movie right. like you can't just keep I, saying all due respect <laughs> yeah it's a reference in my book that's why it makes me laugh i thank my brother for that one because it it, it creates that that comedic what i'll call just point blank to say whatever i want to say but i said right. with all due respect so that's pretty cool. Yeah, make sure to, to check out Stephen and an opportunity to get him uh, to your organization to improve employee engagement and to roast that pain in the neck sales guy or IT yeah, leader. Sure. And so he can help you out. And speaking of shameless plugs, this is always the most awkward time for me, Stephen, because my firm, Willery, is the host and sponsor for the H Like a Boss podcast. So I'm going to take a quick moment to plug our firm, so Willery has supported the formation and continues to provide resources around this podcast. Willery's purpose is to empower people and is focused on supporting mid-sized companies with their search staffing services, along with a unique client-side HR technology consulting practice. If you're struggling to find talent for your HR and payroll teams, or you're not getting the return on your investment in your HR technology, please visit willery.com, that's W-I-L-L, ory.com to learn more do okay is that all right nailed it nailed nice. it so then you said willery is will and hillary or mallory will mallory. and mallory are your yes. two kids name my yep. my dad uh had a company ntsc which was nancy my mom tommy my brother steven me campbell was the last name so 
always always have a soft spot for you know bringing bringing the kids into the naming of the company. I dig it. I dig it. Yeah. Real quick story on that, Stephen is. I started this firm during the global recession that we had in 2010, 2007 to 2010. Sure. And the way that I convinced my wife was, I'm going to name the business. I'm going to start in the middle of the worst recession we've ever had after Will and Mallory. And she was like, okay, like I wore her down. And that was the, <laughs> that was the close I made. And it, it seems to work out pretty well. They're super proud of it. Now they're 14 and 12 and no one's no one's planning a hostile takeover quite yet, but maybe that day will come Heck yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't let them watch the session. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they'll exactly. be coming for it. Yeah, no, that's pretty brutal. That's a good show. But all right, I got two more questions for you. So hit me real quick on the idea of transformation. This is kind of a word that's thrown out in the business world that I think is kind of used loosely. Do you really see transformation taking place? And I wonder if you've had an experience in working with the startups that you were at, or even with some of the clients that you had, where you've truly seen this idea of transformation, either through comedy, either through writing a business plan the right way, or making a major shift inside of an organization. I just want to get your two cents there. Yeah, let's go three prong. One, comedy, how people have been interpreting it from beginning to now. Uh, two, what remote business has done to uh, the way people interact in the office place. And then uh, I forgot what the third one was, but let's go first, the comedy and what people will stomach, right? Um, this is a generalization, but a generalization that comes from taking survey data of hundreds of people every night in front of audiences. There is a correlation between the hardships that somebody has endured and their threshold for what is going to offend them, right? And if somebody has never endured any sort of hardship, very often they're the quickest ones with a hair trigger response to something that's supposed to offend and they get offended on behalf of other people. It's very rarely that they're getting, very rare that they're getting offended for something that we've said to them. It's something that we've said on behalf of another person. And there's one specific demographic that gets the angriest, but we'll let everybody fill in the blank there. But so um, one of the things that we've found is now that everybody has collectively undergone some level of trauma or some level of hardship that everybody shared on some level because of the pandemic, that threshold for what is and is not okay has been pushed uh, closer towards say what you want to say, right? Especially when things were in the heat of COVID and, and very uncertain and no, uh, you saw that the threshold of what offended became a lot further down the road. So that was kind of the first transformation that you see culturally with comedy. Uh, when you go out to live audiences, they are so hungry to laugh. They just, and you just see people getting less offended by um, benign jokes. On a structural, from a structural standpoint and how companies are run, I wanna say Salesforce sold 70% of their office space 
Um, you know, a lot of these really big companies are sticking to remote, right? Like I live in New York City where uh, tons and tons of companies hired out of the city and out of the state because it was cheaper to do so. And now you're forced to have a remote environment. So with these virtual comedy shows, for instance, it's been a, it's been a, a roller coaster because, you know, I'll take all the money out of any ads that we're doing virtual because things are going back to person in person. It's August, 2021. Things are looking good. What's up Delta. And then we are back to virtual and then it looks like things are climbing back out and then hello Omicron. So it has been difficult to kind of um, stay on top of what demand is going to look like, but then we've come to this understanding that there will just always be this base level demand of, you know, a lot lower than it ever, than it was during the peak of the pandemic, this base level of remote entertainment and employee engagement opportunities because so many companies are now stuck in remote. And I'm sure that that uh, variable is something that a lot of your guests uh, wrestle with now that things are um, highly remote. Um, there was another thing. Oh, I think that the other, the other big transformation, so we do a lot of social impact work, right? So we have this partnership with Lululemon and we have some partnerships with these really huge nonprofits that I'm very excited to announce in a couple months. But um, there, there was a, and, and it's a chicken and the egg situation. This is what my master's is in, is in social enterprise, right? Where are companies becoming more socially conscious or are they responding to consumer demand, right? And I believe it to be the latter, uh, both consumer and employee, right? That now it is, it is a market for the people getting hired. And a lot of people getting hired, they want to see some sort of social impact by their company. And also you see that on a consumer choice, right? So millennials, when asked 73% of millennials, when given two identical products, will pick the product that makes a social uh, impact, right? And so there's been a huge transformation a lot quicker than you typically would where nonprofits were forced to figure out how to fundraise outside of their galas and private events that they did, which is how a lot of them raised their money. And companies were scrambling to figure out how to make a social impact, whether they're doing it because they want to make a social impact, or they're doing it because of hiring and because of consumer choice. That part is, is null, but you're seeing way more companies scramble to make a social impact, right? A lot of misplaced, um, a lot of misguided, uh, a lot of it was misguided, especially in the wake of George Floyd getting murdered. And there was a lot of pushback uh, with diversity and inclusion and stuff like that with a lot of companies that, uh, you know, posted a black square, but then didn't do anything. But then you're also seeing just in general, um, we're seeing, we're doing a lot of conversations about mental health with companies, right? Huge influx of demand on mental health. There's a huge influx of demand on figuring out how to be more inclusive and how to keep diversity in the forefront of all decision-making. So again, giving you more long-winded answers, but the third transformation that I find the most promising is that a lot of companies are being forced 
to make more of a social impact, environmental impact. And again, whether that is because of the kindness in their heart or because of consumer choice and because of the demand of uh, people that they're trying to hire, um, it has created a market for us to do a lot of what we do. Um, so yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, no, it's cool. I'll get you out of here on this, Stephen. Thanks for sharing that. It's a pretty interesting perspective as you sit as a comedian and how you're seeing companies trying to drive change, positive change in that regard. So last question for all my guests is the same. How would you describe someone that does HR like a boss? <laughs> um, I see the person with a backwards hat, backwards chair, sitting bow-legged over the backwards chair and just, you know, like the, the, the cool teacher, <laughs> the cool teacher trying to relate with everybody to do HR like a boss is truly uh, some Hawkeye precision that you need to be able to understand who your team is and who works under you and be able to operate in a way that um, does not alienate that whole diverse group of people but also do it in a way that uh, people understand that you are the boss, <laughs> you know, that you, you are also an authority figure and anybody that can, can walk that tightrope, my hat's off to you. Um, not literally because my hair's a mess, but my hat's off to you because uh, that is a tightrope that I am not able to walk. And so whenever I watch somebody walk it, I am in awe. Awesome. That's really cool. Well, hey, Stephen, I really appreciate you being on the podcast today. It was really cool. I'm going to do a quick recap for my listeners. A couple of things that stood out to me when describing the purpose of HR, you use the word art form and to maintain the peace. I also thought it was pretty cool just understanding the strengths and weaknesses of your entire workforce and your ability to leverage those uh, in all scenarios. I also thought you used a comment, you said, treat human beings like human beings. Isn't that a novel concept? There's this idea of putting human back into human resources, which is pretty, pretty unique saying that you see nowadays. And then you talked about the social impact and it seems like let's, let's make a social impact for the right reason. Let's do good for the right reason. Make sure it's organic, maybe not necessarily a marketing play or something you think you're responding to consumer driven buying behaviors. Let's do it for the right reasons. Let's do, let's do good for doing good. And then for HR like a boss, that Hawkeye precision, that, that tightrope, I use the word middle of the aisle, but tightrope makes a ton of sense because you are walking a very fine line. So appreciate you being on the show. It's a lot of fun, Steven. Cool, man. Yeah, I sincerely appreciate the opportunity and uh, yeah, have a great rest of the day. Thank you for checking out the HR like a boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please consider leaving a rating or review. And better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. Until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR.